For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Do you like sports? Cause we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. It's Sport Jack. Here we go with episode 190 as we record on a Friday, February the 7th of 2020. You mean the John Lester episode? Oh, John Lester. I know him. Johnny, as Ron Coomer likes to call him on the radio, has 190 career wins. Although I did see yesterday there's a there's a predictor that comes out. You have to have a subscription, but somebody had the subscription and was kind of relaying some of the details where they predict how teams and pitchers are going to do. Might not be a good year for John Lester. Oh, really? I expect him to be at the age where he starts breaking down a little bit. We saw it a little bit last year. Now, you brought up uh, an announcer saying his name is Johnny. Who was the announcer? Ron Coomer. He's the color man with Pat Hughes on the radio. He and likes can, to call him Johnny. Can you do an impression of him? Um, well, when you're when you're talking about our game, you know Johnny's one of the top pitchers in our game, and I look for him to get the butt down here. I didn't know if he was a Johnny. No, 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 no. Because I like when people say it like that. Oh, do you? Yeah, Johnny. Uh, quick update from my mother. She got me a new Cubs hat last night in Arizona. Good. They have a new spring training line. She said, this is a hat I've not seen before. It's on its way. I'm very excited to show it to you. Hopefully it's better than the Bulls uniforms last night. We'll get to that in a little (laughs) bit. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Let's start with college basketball. Let's do because uh, Muffin McGraw told her team last night after the game in the locker room she had never been so excited for two wins in a row. Notre Dame actually gets two road wins in a row on the women's basketball side, beating Wake Forest last night, 75-71. Destiny Walker with 22 points. Irish hoping they can put together a little bit of a string here at the end of the year to at least end on a high note. They're not going anywhere, including the NIT. They're 8-15 and 15 on the season right now, but they are playing better. And they do have Pitt coming to Purcell Pavilion, a winnable game on Sunday afternoon. You can hear Bob Nagel on the call on Pulse at 4. The Notre Dame men begin a very rugged stretch of their schedule here, Corey. They came off an, a nice win over Pittsburgh on Wednesday night, 80-72. to 72. Mike Bray's team has won three in a row now. They're feeling good about themselves, five and six in the ACC. Five straight games where they've scored 80 or more points. A little more entertaining brand of basketball. T.J. Gibbs has 21 points. He is resurrecting himself a little bit in this is senior year. John Mooney had his requisite 
18th double-double. But listen to this stretch of games that the Irish have coming up. At Clemson, at Duke, or excuse me, at Clemson, at Virginia, at Duke, North Carolina at home. (laughs) If, if they're lucky, I think they could go two and two through that and maybe play themselves into contention. Here's the problem. What's Notre Dame's overall record right now, Corey? Oh, Chuck. It's up there right underneath their name. Is it? Should be. Seventh in the Atlantic Coast, that's all it says. Seventh in the ACC. The ACC right now looks like it's only getting four teams in the NCAA tournament because it's a down year in the conference. I believe Notre Dame right now is something like 14-8. and They're 14-8. and So you go 2-2, two and two, you're 16-10, and 10, and then you're going to have to probably win out to make the NCAA tournament. They have, in those 14 wins, Corey, they have, the NCAA has what they call quads. Quad 1, quad 2, quad 3, quad 4. And they basically take the teams that play Division I college basketball, and if you're in the top quarter of those teams, you're a quad one team. And then if you're in the second quarter of that, quad two, so on down the list. How many wins do you think Notre Dame has over quad one teams so far this year? Not a lot. How about zero? Zero wins over quad one teams. You might say, well, Clemson's having a good year. Well... They are, but they're not a quad one team. Uh, How about Virginia? Yes, that's a quad one team. How about Duke? Yes, that's a quad one team. Do you honestly think this Notre Dame team, as it's put together right now, is beating Duke at Duke? Do you think they're beating a Virginia team that I'm not sure they've ever beaten at Virginia at Virginia? I don't see that happening. North Carolina, not a quad one team this year. So... Even if they go 2-2 two and two through that stretch, I'm not sure that's good enough to help their NCAA tournament hopes. They've got to be able to knock off either Virginia or Duke, but it doesn't mean a thing they don't win at Clemson on Sunday. 6 o'clock? That is a 6 o'clock game. Okay. Now, the game that most of the people in this state will be talking about happens Saturday at 2, and it happens on 103.1 FM. And it is the renewal of the great rivalry between Indiana and Purdue. Now, the Indiana Hoosiers have had all week to prepare. Archie Miller's team has not looked good in its last three games. But they're coming back to the friendly confines of Assembly Hall. Dickie V is going to be there. And here come the Boilermakers, fresh off, draining 19 three-pointers Wednesday night at Mackey, shooting 63% and making Iowa look like a Division Three team. They beat them by scoring 104 points. So things are starting to click for the Boilermakers at home. Now they have to go on the road. And we know what happens to teams when they go on the road in the Big Ten about 80% of the time. Have you seen a basketball game at Assembly Hall? I have not. Really? I have not seen one at either Assembly Hall or Mackey. Really? Well, because my duties have usually prohibited me from doing such. Yeah. If you had to choose between one or the other, like you could go, time allowed, 
not to sound like a kid, not to sound like a parent whose kid has been accepted to Purdue, but I would go to Mackey because Mackey, quite frankly, is louder. Okay. Um, that said, should be a wild scene tomorrow at Assembly Hall, 2 p.m. Again, you can hear that game on 103.1 FM. And what I would suggest is if you're not going to the game and you want to listen to the game, do it while you're driving down to Winona Lake. Because another pretty good rivalry renews tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. in the OCC down at Grace College where Grace takes on Bethel. What a nice gymnasium. It's a beautiful facility. Ooh. Individual seats, cup holders. My goodness. Grace coming off a nice win over Taylor on Wednesday night, or excuse me, Tuesday night, beat him 72-68. And Bethel smarting a little bit after a loss to Spring Arbor on Tuesday night. Steve Draben's pilots, remember they had that great start, went 15-0. and It's been a much more rocky road in the Crossroads League, as expected. And they need a big road performance from Travion Cruz and company if they're going to go down and handle the Lancers. Let's segue to high school basketball. A lot happened last night. A lot's happening tonight. Let's talk with bo- let's talk about boys last night. Okay, boys last night. Congratulations to the Northridge Raiders. They win the Northern Lakes Conference. They wallop Wawasee 73-36. They've been unscathed through the NLC. And no offense to my buddy Derek Deshaun at Concord, but they're going to run the table in the NLC. And we've been telling you this on this show for what? Since the beginning of January. Northridge may run the table in February all the way to the sectional. Doesn't mean they're going to necessarily win the sectional, but this is as balanced and thorough a team, and it's well-coached by Scott Radiker. Really have to keep an eye on the Raiders at the Elkhart sectional. South Bend Adams wins again in the NIC last night. They had to come from behind in the second half, but then they wind up putting away John Glenn believe the final was 68-53. And so Chad Johnston's Eagles roar into a huge showdown with St. Joe on Tuesday night at Hathaway Shack. Now, it's not as big as it could have been because St. Joe has two conference losses and Adams has none. However, I would expect the Shack to be rocking on Tuesday night. Again, a balanced performance from Adams. They are the talk of the town. They are ranked number Five, I believe, or excuse me, uh, number eight this week in the AP poll in Class 4A. St. Joe got a win last night, but I mentioned Adams. Corey, every South Bend public school won last night. Riley beat Penn, got 22 from Blake Wesley. Washington is getting hot. I don't think people really understand how good Ryan Vargas' team is. We'll show them at the end of the year against Marion on 46. Washington, I think, has won five straight now, and they beat Mishawaka last night, and even Clay picked up a win last night, beating Bremen. So all four South Bend schools won first time in a calendar year that that has happened. My goodness. Also last night, Jimtown moves its record to 12-5. and five. Jimmy's get a buzzer beater from Blake Garrettson to beat Elkhart Central 56-54. Jimtown 12-5. and five. Four of those wins have come on buzzer-beating shots. So if you're going to watch the Jimmies, make sure you take your heart medication. Pause button. How close are high school coaches in Indiana watching 
the rankings that you report to us on Tuesdays or Wednesdays? They don't really care that much. I mean, they it's nice to get recognition for your team, mm-hmm. but it means abs- there's no seeding that goes on for the state tournament. So those rankings mean absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, and and they're very volatile, and most of the voting happens from people down in Indianapolis who aren't seeing all the teams. And there are certainly pockets of the state, and they are large pockets, that tend to get ignored. Okay. So, that said, the rankings are nice. You love some good pub for your team. can also put a target on the back of a team, too. Sure. Now, uh, there's boys games in Michigan tonight. And one that uh, I think is of particular interest is the Cass County rivalry between Edwardsburg and Dwajak. Dwajak has won eight in a row. Uh, they're only a half game out of first place in the Wolverine Conference. They beat Edwardsburg by 16 earlier in the year. They've got a pretty nice player by the name of DJ Lanier who scores 16 points a game. Chieftains have it cooking right now. We'll see if they can roll into the house of Edwardsburg and do some damage tonight. Also, one near and dear to your heart, the rivalry between St. Joe and Lakeshore renews tonight. That's a fun one. Up in Stevensville. And Sean Schrader's team had a nice bounce-back win earlier in the week. Uh, they've had a good year. They're 11-2. and two. Bears have been up and down a little bit. Uh, we'll see if they can muster up something for the Lancers tonight. And uh, one more game that should get your attention up in Michigan, Brandywine, which is having a, a terrific year on the boys' side, goes up and plays a hot Bridgman team in the Beehive. So that should be fun <laughs> as well. Cats and the bees, Chuck Freeby. Exactly. Uh, girls basketball tonight, you're covering a game on the female side. Yes, we are. It's sectional time for the girls' tournament, and there are some great matchups, but there is... There's no rivalry in this area that compares to the one between Marion and St. Joe. Now, I'll be honest, in girls' basketball over the years, it has been heavily lopsided towards the Indians. I believe in this century they have a 23-3 edge, including an overtime win over Marion earlier in the year. They meet tonight in the second sectional semifinal after Washington and Jimtown. Got to see both teams play the other night. St. Joe, down the stretch of this season, has been a little sloppy. Uh, They've got a nice player named Keegan Sullivan, who's going to Rockhurst College in Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, They've got some pieces around her, a girl named Cashlin Biffle, who scores about 12 points, averages six rebounds a game, a couple of other players who are right around the seven and nine points a game average. But they turned the ball over way too much for my liking. They average 18 turnovers a game, and they had 18 turnovers on Wednesday night against a fairly bad clay team in a 63-25 win. They take on a Marion team that comes in having won nine straight since their overtime loss to St. Joe back in January. Uh, Steve Scott has is one of the few coaches in this area who has won sectionals at three different schools. He did it at Clay, he did it at Elkhart Memorial, and he's done it at Marion. To give you an idea of the job that he's done at Marion, Mm -hmm. the school record for wins in a season before he got there was set by the previous coach, Tyler Dendy, 14. Steve Scott has 21, 
21, and this year he has 20. So three straight 20-win seasons at a school that's never won more than 14 games in a season. Now, he walked into a situation where he has some talent. He's got a big by the name of Christina Heimlich underneath, who's a very good player. Please tell me. Yes, she has a Heimlich it, maneuver. If she makes a nice move on the post tonight, <laughs> it will be a Heimlich maneuver at least once. So she averages a double-double, and they've got a dynamite backcourt. Mackenzie Hudgen is the point guard, leads the team in assist and steals, and then this little freshman named Nevaeh Foster. Nevaeh Foster has already set the single-season scoring record at Marion High School with 501 points this season. And, Corey, you watch her play. And it's not that she does anything spectacularly, but she does everything so fluid and so solid. I'm really looking forward to watching her go against Sullivan tonight in a battle of dynamic guards. Break down how we can watch that. You can see it on YouTube and Facebook. I would uh, I would settle in about 7.30. I don't think that first game is going to take that long between Washington and Jimtown. I would settle in about 7.30. We'll have it live on YouTube and Facebook then. And, of course... If you're going to games tonight, come home and watch it on TV 46 tonight at 11. And there are some other really good games to watch tonight. Warsaw and Elkhart Central down at the Tiger Den. They played a double overtime game just a couple of weeks ago at Northside Gym. Warsaw won it on a half-court shot by Kenzie Ryman. Elkhart Central's Yaisha Williams had 31 the other night in the opener. They've got a great freshman named Michaela Porter. This should be a fun one to watch. Followed by Penn, the prohibitive favorite in that sectional, taking on Goshen. Uh, in 3A tonight, you've got Hanover Central taking on this Knox team that has put together a 20-win season for Neil Minix. Uh, they've got Remy Jordan. They've got Felicity Olenizak. Uh, they're a strong team. They should win at home tonight against Hanover Central. 2A has a terrific matchup, I think, tonight with Bremen and Fairfield. Bremen has a young lady named Erin Koffel who is better known as the best softball player in the state of Indiana. But she can play the hoops too, kids, and she's got some help around her with a girl named Ella Foster, and they go up against this Fairfield squad who I saw play about three weeks ago, and Brody Garber's put together a nice team this year. That should be a fun one down in 2A. Should be a good night of girls' high school basketball in the area. Are we sneaking up on uh, NBA All-Star Weekend? Is it next weekend? It's next weekend. Um, apparently, they drafted players last night. I have to tell you, I didn't really pay much attention to that draft. That's fine. Uh, I was paying more attention to the trade deadline. ESPN has a reporter by the name of Adrian Wojnarowski who does a great job of dropping what they call Woj bombs. And he'll let you know what's going on around the league, and trade deadline is kind of his big day. And the big trade that affected teams around here is the fact that Andre Drummond goes from the Pistons. He is a double-double every night. He was the best thing the Detroit Pistons had. But he's going to be a free agent. And the Pistons wanted to get something for him rather than nothing because they knew they weren't going to be able to hang on to him. So they send him to Cleveland for... um, Brevin Knight for uh, John Henson and a second-round draft pick. It's not a huge haul, but you know Cleveland also understands that, look, in order to get him and hopefully keep him, uh, they got to give up a little something, so they did. Um, 
if I were a Pistons fan, I'd be miffed, but you have to understand it's better to get something rather than nothing. On the court last night, the story was in Chicago where the Bulls donned these hideous light blue uniforms last night. Oh, wow. Which were supposed to be reminiscent of the city flag. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah They're yeah. trying to pay tribute to the city flag of Chicago by wearing these light blue uniforms. They look more like Reggie Theus and the 1989 Sacramento Kings. Uh, and if you want to look up the 1988-89 Sacramento Kings, you can and see that the Bulls uniforms were almost an exact match. It didn't matter to Zion Williamson what the Bulls were wearing because he basically undressed them. <laughs> he had 21 points last night for the Pelicans. The final score was a lot closer than the game was. The game wound up being, a, I think the final score was seven points, but it was about a 20-pointer through most of the night, and Zion didn't have to play most of the fourth quarter because he was probably already in the locker room getting into his suit and ready for the postgame press conference. <laughs> he plays the Pacers Saturday night. In Indianapolis, I yes. believe. At, Mark, at Banker's Life. I keep mm. wanting to say Market Square. Let's go back to the 90s. Chuck. Nothing wrong with that. Right next to the Hoosier Dome. <laughs> yes, oh, exactly. <laughs> One thing in baseball I wanted to bring up. I'm Corey, sorry, the trade. Yes. Actually, actually, uh, this trade where the Boston Red Sox send Mookie Betts, their 2018 American League MVP, and David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers for uh, outfielder Alex Verdugo. They get a hard-throwing prospect out of the Twins organization, and the Twins get the Dodger pitcher Kenton Maeda. Uh, Kenton Maeda is a pretty nice pitcher. I, I really like the rotation the Twins have been able to put together with this deal. But apparently it's being hung up somewhat because this hard-throwing pitching prospect uh, might not pass his medical physical. And if he doesn't, the whole trade gets scuttled. Oh, boy. So everybody's kind of on pins and needles around Major League Baseball waiting to see what happens with that. And, of course, the ongoing question, and we tackled a little bit of this in the Wednesday Act, is will the Cubs do anything before spring training? <laughs> the White Sox had this uh, wonderfully active spring train or off-season period. They went out and they got Yasmani Grandal. They brought up Luis Robert. They acquired lots of pieces to help them. The Cubs have done nothing. They've bolstered their bullpen with some low-budget things. Um, their bullpen should be better this year, but they're in need of starting pitching. I mean, they lost Cole Hamels, and they're basically replacing him with Alec Mills from AAA. So we'll see what happens. I've already seen some projections this year that predict the Cubs will finish fourth in the division, only ahead of Pittsburgh and behind St. Louis, Milwaukee, and Cincinnati in some order. Hmm. Meanwhile, I also saw another prediction that said, okay, the Cubs will finish 82-80, and 80, which, you know, I'm old enough to remember where you'd be really excited about a Cubs team that finished above 500. But the White Sox are predicted to finish 83-79. and 79. And if that happens, that's a really long year for Cubs fans. Kudos to the White Sox. They're making moves and building a team. Uh, the Cubs right now, I couldn't tell you what they're doing. Does Guns N' Roses at Wrigley Field do anything for you? No. <laughs> I'm sorry? 
No. I just want to make sure I heard what I heard. Rolling Stones in Detroit and Louisville does. Yeah. They I, played Chicago last summer, mm-hmm. making their rounds. That would be a fun one. Yeah. I saw them a little with my outside dad my price range. 89. But. Yeah. What is what is the this is the most I will pay? Hundred. One hundred dollars. Yeah. Okay. Which is horribly tough. Oh yeah. In I, today's I, concert market. I understand that. Horribly tough. But you again, I'm sports guy, not pop culture guy. You'll have better luck going to a tribute band featuring the music of who you like. Um <laughs> actually that's on the list for March. No, there's a Beatles tribute band coming to the Morris. Oh nice. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I know the real reason you pop cultural holics tuned in today <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. is to hear Corey's picks of the Oscars. I will chime in with my very amateur version. I I always reckon this to the Bill Murray Saturday Night Live skit, and I don't know if you can find this on the tube of you or not, uh, but Bill Murray did a wonderful Saturday Night Live skit with the Oscars where he basically went through, didn't see it, didn't see it, didn't see it, saw it, didn't see it. So based on what I've seen, and awarded the Oscar to the one movie he saw. And that would be kind of what my picks will be like. I will save time on the who's in the category. I'm just going to go with who I think is going to win. Well, I mean, Best Picture, we don't have that much time in the show because there's 23 movies nominated (laughs) for Best Picture. Now, some of these I would like you to go through because I think... All right, I'll get uh, them in front of me. I think Best Actress, Best Supporting Actor... Uh, those categories have a lot of name power to them this year. Mm-hmm. But best picture, you don't, in my personal opinion, they don't even need to hold the contest because it's 1917. I am in full agreement. In writing, 1917 best yeah. picture. So it has been said, so it shall be done. I was going to choose the Joker, and then I saw 1917. Right. And I saw the Irishman, and it's nice, but as you said before, we've seen it before. Yeah. Actor in a leading role. Okay, give me my nominees here. Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory. Mm. Leo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Adam Driver, Marriage Story, a Netflix movie. Right. Jonathan Price, The Two Popes, a Netflix movie. Mm -hmm. Joaquin Phoenix, Joker. I went with Phoenix. I did as well. In writing, Joaquin for the win. Okay. Never has there been a better movie right now of a man under unraveling and who can play a man unraveling better than joaquin phoenix actress in a leading role okay cynthia erivo and harriet scarlett johansson marriage story a netflix movie sayerese ronan Mm -hmm. little women Mm -hmm. charlie's throne bombshell renee zellweger judy uh well i do agree that charlie's throne is a bombshell um, I'm going to go with the woman from Little Women just because of the complete and utter lack of name recognition. I can see uh, the Academy kind of tilting that way. I saw three of those performances. Charlie's Theron looked exactly like, like Megan Kelly. Kelly. Yep. I mean, disgustingly exactly. Uh, Scarlett Johansson was good in Marriage Story, but I'm going to go Renee Zellweger. We watched Judy a couple of weeks ago. It was re- It was really good. Okay. Uh, actor in a supporting role. Uh, this this <laughs> is an amazing array of talent right here. You'll see the five boxes and the different actors in each box just wondering who in the world. Yeah. 
It's a three-way tie. I mean, if you get Best Supporting Actor out of this, this might be your best Oscar ever, even if you've had Best Actor. Tom Hanks, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Anthony Hopkins, Two Popes, Netflix movie. Al Pacino, The Irishman, Netflix movie. Mm -hmm. Joe Pesci, The Irishman, Netflix movie. Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I have seen... All five. Okay. You go first on this one. Tom Hanks, a force to be reckoned with. That's what my wife thinks, too. Um, I could see Hopkins pulling this one out if they want to give a little something-something to the Netflix people. And it really feels like this might be his last hurrah. Yeah. Talk about ending a career with a golden trophy for your kind of last sure. whatever. Because it's not going to be for Thor Ragnarok. No. No, it won't. Uh, actress in a supporting role. Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell, which I don't think anybody saw. Laura Dern, Marriage Story. Netflix. Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit. Florence Pugh, Little Women. Margot Robbie in Bombshell. The Margot Robbie character in that movie was a fictional character. Did not happen. By the way, Margot Robbie had herself a nice year. Yeah. Bombshell and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Bir I, Birds of Prey opening as we record this. Yeah. I, Margot Robbie's having herself and uh, she's living her best life right now. But mm -hmm. she ain't going to be taking home the Oscar. No. Uh, I think because Scarlett Johansson doesn't win in Best Actress, She's going to win in Best Supporting Act. I support that. I did not put someone down for that, but I like your thinking. I'm going to go with that as well. Uh, and then Best Director, I'm sorry, but if you give it to anybody but Sam Mendes for that vintage performance in 1917, I know a lot of people like Marty Scorsese, and he's old, and he's cute, and he's on you know commercials now for T-Mobile and things like that, but... I'm sorry, The Irishman and does not compare with 1917. No, you you are amazed at the craft of oh. a, a director. I also put it down for cinematography. Like best it's the best looking movie too. Well, of course, yeah. Mind blowing. Do, do your boys from Star Wars win anything? Maybe sound editing for throwing in Carrie Fisher after <laughs> she's in the grave. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Maybe, maybe special effects, maybe best score, yeah, something like that. Maybe. Yeah, you know, the John Williams Memorial. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Those are the big ones, though, the big six there. We'll recap on Monday and see how we did. Yes, we will. And you you at home, feel free to make your picks. And actually, if you really want to be somebody that we admire and respect, you'll put your picks down and you'll tweet them to us. Oh, yeah. Yes. We are on the Twitter, Sports Yak with two Ks. And you're on Twitter. I am at 46 Sports. And I would add, if you want to be somebody we admire and respect, go ahead and pick some games this weekend, too. Let us know who's winning IU Purdue. Let us know who's winning Bethel Grace. Let us know who's winning some high school girls sectionals. Just let us know. Let us know. Let us know. Dee, dee, dee. Oh, bring it, Chuck. And baby. let Johnny know, too. Mm-hmm. Hit the subscribe button. You'll never miss a high-quality episode much like today's. Well, hopefully there are higher quality. I know there are higher quality episodes to come.
Yes. We know things. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga John Lester. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. You've been listening to Sports Yak with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann as himself. Produced by Corey Mann. The Sports Yak theme song by Rhett Walker. Production elements and voiceovers by AudibleGenesis.com. Engineered by Phil Souza. Executive producer is Danae Hughes. In partnership with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Interested in your own podcast? Contact Danae at Danae at StudioDNA.media. Sports Yak archives available on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. 